here we are coming down the home stretch of 2021. And uh, just a few days left, and we're going into the fourth and final uh, podcast on why am I still here. Uh, I hope that you're tuning up for 2022, thinking about new goals, setting new goals, and moving forward with God's purpose for your life. That question, why am I still here, is really is another way of asking, uh, what is my purpose in life? What is God's will for my life? And so I can't answer that specifically for each one of us, but I can hopefully unpack some ideas, some principles, some promises that help us answer that question. Uh, Let me back up and say I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. We went down to Virginia Beach and spent time with uh, my middle daughter and her husband and my only granddaughter, and it was fabulous. Spent a couple of days there. Got to see my sister and my mom, my brother-in-laws, I should say. It was a good time with family, the things that really matter. I know we've got some partners that have suffered tremendous loss in the last year or two, and this can be a really tough time. Uh, I think a, a a valid way to approach that is to say, how would my loved one want me spending Christmas? How would my loved one that I've lost that's gone to heaven before me, how would they want me living and thinking and you know doing life? Uh, I think that's a valid way to look at it. E- easier said than done. I understand that. And if you suffered loss this year or in the recent years uh, since COVID hit and all that, or really it can go back. I mean, my brother was killed in 1997 and it's still kind of, you know, it's not as fresh as it was and, and God has brought some healing, but it's still there and it can be a tough time of year. And uh, I just hope that you would have the confidence that God's in control, that we're all going to end up in the same place if we believe in Jesus eventually, soon enough, some of us sooner than others. We don't know. What we do know is that we need to be faithful right here, right now, with God. what God has put in our hands. If you haven't listened to the series uh, Living Life in Tune, that might be a cool thing to listen to going into the new year uh, where I talk about you know the different spheres of life, faith, fitness, family, finance, friendship, field of endeavor, meaning our vocational endeavors. Um, you know, are they in tune? Am I setting new goals in those areas? Am I growing in those areas? Am I stagnant in those areas? Am I lacking in those areas? Really, there's just like I said, you know, I use those six areas to correspond to the six strings on a guitar, and a guitar is never permanently in tune. It needs constant attention because the strings are under constant t- tension. It is going to go out of tune, and if I want to sing a song or play a song that others want to hear, it needs to be in tune. The cool thing about tension is it makes us pay attention. And I think that's the way God created things. He wants us seeking Him. He wants us growing in Him. And so, we are going to go into part four here shortly. I do want to say uh, thank you all for supporting Life on the Verge. We're coming down the home stretch, end of the year. I would ask you to consider Life on the Verge in your end of the year giving. We put out an email last week uh, about the truck that we've been trying to buy. We've been trying to raise money for a new vehicle that we tow with the camper to our hub, wherever we're going to be, and then we carry all of our equipment from that area to the different prisons we do in that area, kind of like spoked out 
from a hub and then we move again. And so the vehicle we have now has 226,000 miles on it. It's on his second transmission. And frankly, it's too small for the equipment that we want to bring on the road. We really try to put on excellence. We try to demonstrate the excellence of our God. We could do what we do, bringing in an acoustic guitar and a Bible and call it prison ministry and people would give to it. But we try to give them the very best we can. We bring in the best sound equipment. You know, I could go in with one guitar. I want to bring five in because different songs require different guitars. It's all part of the show, so to speak. And we do put on a show. We do make entertainment part of what we do because we're trying to capture the attention of people and give Give them something uh, before we start trying to uh, hold them accountable for something, if you know what I mean. And so anyway, uh, thank you for those that already have given to that project. Um, I think we're about uh, $13,000 towards a $40,000 goal, and we are a debt-free ministry, and we don't plan on going into debt, so we're trusting God to provide what we need. We've set a goal of $40,000 that will not only buy uh, a very decent used truck with a cap, it will help us put an alarm system on it, and it will help us put what's called a bed slide in it so that we can slide out the stuff that's in the back of the truck and not have to climb up in the truck, and so anyway, enough that we are booking dates left and right. We're ready to go. Here we go. New goals, bigger tour this year in Jesus' name with the aspiration of bringing glory to God. That's what we've been talking about in this series uh, is not just our vision, uh, but the thing that drives our vision, our aspiration, the strong desire, the motive, the longing, the aim, the ambition behind our vision and the goals that are attached to our vision. We've talked about Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We know those works are obviously the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be walking in the in step with the Spirit every day, looking for opportunities to bear the fruit uh, of the Spirit, walking with God and, and knowing that we can't like force ourselves to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We have to stay attached to the vine and and uh, just growing in Jesus and and obviously looking at what are the fruits of the spirit you know things like love patience peace long suffering gentleness kindness self control we those are the works that we we need to be walking in we understand that we've talked about that our purpose is to declare the praises of the one that called us out of darkness um, but when we ask why am I still here what is God's purpose for my life? Um, I I can't. I'm, now I'm I'm leaning heavily on the spiritual purpose, but I'm going to get to the real world. Okay, Monday morning. How do I walk this out? You know, in my vocation, I'm going to really lean in that direction of our vocation, the things we do uh, with our hands, with our minds. But let's just talk a little more about the spiritual. And I can't over-recommend uh, Rick Warren's best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life. It's a great devotional to start the year with. Um, he, he takes the great commandment, uh, Mark 11, 30 through 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, mind, 
and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He takes that, and he takes the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. He takes the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and he breaks it down. And he says there are five purposes to our life that we can derive from that scripture. Now, these are the underlying spiritual ambitions and and, uh, impetus behind why we do what we do with our hands in our vocational world. This, This is the underlying, this is who we really are. And he says that the five purposes are we were created to worship God, love the Lord your God. Right, That's how that scripture starts, the great commandment. We are created to worship God, worship God uh, you know, in song, to worship God in uh, uh, the way that we use our hands and our minds, to worship God in our giving. To get worship means to give worth to, to give more worth to God than anything else, to give more worth to God's opinion, God's say, God's promises than anything else. He says we're created for fellowship with fellow believers. He draws that from and baptizing them out of the Great Commission. Through baptism, we identify with other believers. And we need to continue that identity beyond baptism. We need to have fellowship with fellow believers on a regular basis. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the writer says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word day is capitalizing, meaning the day that Jesus returns. We shouldn't give up meeting together. This pandemic has caused some people to do that, to give up meeting together. Let me tell you something. You will never discover and walk in all God has for you without other believers who have the same aspiration and goals spiritually. Never, never. You need people that have to love you whether they like you or not. You need people to spur you on toward good deeds, and you need to be spurring them on toward love and good deeds. He says we're created for worship, for fellowship, for discipleship growing in the knowledge of God and his word. He draws that from the Great Commission, make disciples. In 2 Peter 1, 4 through 9, uh, Peter says this, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Increasing measure, we should be growing as a disciple of Jesus. The fourth thing he, he says is we were created for ministry. That's part of our purpose. Ministry meaning to love your neighbor as yourself, to meet the needs of others with love. This should be 
part of who we are and what we do with our lives, part of our purpose, part of why you're still here. You're still here to worship. You're still here to have fellowship with other believers. You're still here to grow in your knowledge of God. You're still here to meet the needs of others with love. And the fifth one, you're still here for evangelism, to share your life experience, to share your story. We're still here to walk out God's ultimate aspiration. What is God's ultimate aspiration? Well, Peter told us in 1 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, some have as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's end game, that none should perish. So we should be looking for ways to sharing our of sharing our life message, our story. Rick Warren says there's at least four components to that. And that one is our testimony, the story of your life before Jesus and your life after Jesus. You should write that down. Who were you before you came to know Jesus? And what changed when you professed Jesus as Lord? We should be ready to give an answer, Peter told us. We should be ready to share that testimony of our life BC and after Jesus. Another component of your life message is your life lessons, the things you've learned along the way. This is why I do this podcast. A lot of it is to share how I've seen the faithfulness of God bring us through adversity. And so even he suggests in the book, write those things down, some of the big ones, how God walked you through loss, how God helped you, uh, you know, develop confidence, how God brought you through different seasons of age in life. No, that's part of how we share our life message. And then a third way is our godly passions. God gives each of us certain passions. Certain people care more about certain things. He causes us to be passionate about prison ministry. He may cause you to be passionate. Uh, we've got people in our church that are just crazy passionate over um, foster children and that and have a whole program running for that. Uh, you may be passionate about uh, music and how it affects people's life. You may be whatever. God gives you passion. Uh, as you walk with him. And that's part of your story. Um, and then lastly, uh, part of our life message is obviously being able to share the actual gospel with people, what Jesus did on the cross. And so I recommend that uh, you consider that book as a, as a uh, devotional at the beginning of the year. Uh, maybe you've already read it. It's good to revisit it. You know, read your highlights. Uh, now, this is all that I've talked about so far is the root of all we want to be and accomplish. It's the root, who we are as children of God. But how do we walk it out in the real world? How do we put our hands to work in the real world. Um, obviously, we can take missions trips and we can do those things that are very direct ministry, but m many of you have jobs in the secular world. You have dreams that engage the secular world on a regular basis, maybe even a hostile world. How do you walk it out? Your vocational endeavors. Well, your dreams, I should say, because I hope that you are leaning in the direction, you are you are moving in the direction of your dreams and your desires of the things you want to be doing uh, with your hands, with your mind, while you're on the earth. And if you're not, well, let's begin this. First of all, okay, 
We've got to stop making excuses. Things like, I'm too old, I'm too young, um, I don't have enough education, I don't know the right people, I've failed too much. Stop making excuses for not moving in the direction of new goals and new dreams and new aspirations vocationally. Stop feeling sorry for yourself if you've been knocked down. And look, stop looking for sympathy from other people. That's what we're doing. We're showing a lack of confidence in ourselves, a lack of of confidence in God, and we're just looking for somebody to belly up to the bar with and cry the blues and then pat us on the back, and it's going to be okay. We don't live like that as people of God. We live with confidence in God and confidence in the abilities that He's given us. And yes, we suffer setbacks and we suffer failures, but we look at failures and setbacks as only part of the process to success. We stop living in the past. I've I've said for years, the past is good for one thing, to stand on and reach your future. You you look uh, at the the past and you look at what you can learn from it, and then you move forward. You put it behind you and you leave it behind you. You stop bringing it up. If you're going to use your mind to envision something, uh, envision those moments when you were successful. Visit the highlight reel, okay? Stop visiting the low light reel. If you're going to be successful in your vocational efforts, which I believe that God wants you to be successful in your vocational efforts, He wants you to be prosperous in what you're doing. He wants you to find joy in what you're doing. I'm talking about on Monday morning. I'm talking about in the real world. If he knows that your heart is to convey the gospel, is to share your message, if he knows that your ultimate aspiration also is that none should perish, but you've got a job to do, whatever that thing may be, whether it's in business or it's in the arts or it's in customer service or whatever it is, uh, he wants you to excel in it. And the only way that's going to happen is if we stop making excuses for why we're not excelling. We stop feeling sorry for ourselves and looking for sympathy. We stop living in the past, visiting the low light reel constantly, and we visit the highlight reel. We look at the good things that God has let us accomplish in life. And if we're going to envision and run some reels in our mind, that's what we look at. We stop thinking that we're entitled. We stop thinking that we've done enough. We've done so much by now, God should just be showering me with blessings. God did not wire us that way. He, I believe he wired us to live full throttle until the day we cross the threshold into heaven, plain and simple. That's easier said than done. We all get in the dumps. I'm not here to say rah, 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 you know, all you losers need to lift your head up and I'm always the winner. No, we all get down. The, you know, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, the Proverbs say. We all get down in the dumps. We all have those challenging seasons. We've got to somehow, some way, conjure up the faith, you know, fan into flame the faith that's in us, and get up and move again. Man, it's 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 so it's demonstrated so well in the war, world of sports. I, I love it. And as a matter of fact, I probably will start the new year with a series on confidence and draw a lot from that world. I mean, I watched the Washington football team on Christmas Day. You know, I, I was a lifelong Redskin fan. I've yet to become a Washington football team fan. And uh, never mind the namesake and all that stuff and the name change and all that. The fact is, they got defeated on Christmas Day or, or Sunday 56 to 14 in front of millions of people. They had a blowout on the sidelines where two Washington players basically got into a fist fight. They were so frustrated. 
yet they've got to come back next Sunday and they've got to play like champions. And I'm always fascinated by they might win, who knows? But I'm always fascinated by how athletes can somehow put the most embarrassing, you know, when I always I mentioned the the Super Bowl where the Patriots were down 28 to 3 in the first half and came back in the second half and won the game. How do you mentally do that? Well, you certainly don't do it by making excuses. You certainly don't do it by feeling sorry for yourself, looking for sympathy. You certainly don't do it living in the past, and you certainly don't do it thinking you're entitled. And so we've got to stop doing that, and we've got to stop comparing our lives with other people. We've got to be the best that we can be. I think it was Lou Holtz. It was one of those great uh, uh, coaches in college or pro football that said, we've we've got control over two things, our attitude and our effort. And and so we've got to give our best that we can be. We can be inspired by others, but we can't live comparing ourselves with others. And it's all the more difficult in today's social media world. So those are a few things that we need to stop doing. All of those things rob us of self-confidence and actually demonstrate a magnificent lack of faith and trust in God, period. Do you hear me? When we make excuses, when we live feeling sorry for ourselves, when we live looking for sympathy, when we live in the past, when we live thinking we're entitled, when we live comparing ourselves to others and thinking that we're never going to arrive, we're demonstrating a magnificent lack of faith and trust in God and all that he has promised and all that he has said. And this is especially true for those of us that are, you know, uh, What's the word? A season past springtime, so to speak. We're older. Uh, So, you know, listen up, including myself. All right. There's always this nagging urge to draw back, to take it easy, to retire or semi-retire. Now, we might have to we might have to throttle back a little bit the older that we get. But but we the thing is, is that we can become more potent because of what we've been through. You hear what I'm saying? We, we can work smarter, not harder, and accomplish more the older that we get with actually less effort because we become more potent because of all that we have experienced and all that we've seen God do. Our faith is stronger. So I'm saying physically, we might have to draw it back a little bit, but what we do becomes even more potent. Um, so you know, don't I've heard preachers say, "Don't retire, refire." You know, um, because to, to shrink back and to uh, you, know, you find a lot of people they have this you know very successful career and then they retire and then they die <laughs> because everything was wrapped up in that purpose, that vocation, and they didn't have a dream for the next thing. They didn't have something that awakened new passion in them. And so they get hopeless and purpose, purposelessness, and they live with purpose, purposelessness, there you go, uh, and, and maybe even end up having an early death. The fact is, we demonstrate our trust in God, our faith, and our belief in eternity when we continue to dream new dreams and take new risk and take new ground, Hebrews 10.39 says, We don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. 
Now, I don't know your specific dreams and your specific ambitions and your goals, your experiences or opportunities, but I do know what you're supposed to be doing with them until the day you meet Jesus face to face. You're supposed to be being faithful with them. Listen, I'm part of a <clears throat> a Facebook page that is uh, a police alumni page. It's got a lot of retired guys that I used to work with, uh, veterans of police work from uh, the Norfolk Police Department that I used to be a part of. And my old range sergeant from way back in the 80s and 90s, uh, he was the guy that was over the firing range. I won't mention his name, but uh, he posted this on Facebook on that page. Getting old isn't fun. You can be in a room and no one knows you are there. You talk and no one knows you spoke. They don't think you can read instructions and say they will hook it up for you. You get things and wonder why. I have a drawer full of them and what do I use this for? I'm in my 80s. Why do you think I need this? I have to say this has been my saddest Christmas. Both my wife and I have had difficulty getting around. We were unable to put up a tree or any Christmas decorations. Hasn't seemed like Christmas. Sometimes you wonder why you're still here. Sorry to say, we're kind of sad. Now, I'm not going to rag on him because, I, to his credit, he came back a day or two later with a much more positive post, and he usually is very positive. But he was sharing a moment with his brothers in law enforcement. He got a lot of us support so I'm not dissing him for that. But I want to read one response from a friend of mine named Bob, who's also a police officer I used to work with. He said, Sarge, as I grow older, I've realized that getting old is only for the tough. The aches, pains, disappointments, and losses all are for a reason. They say only the good die young. So incorrect. It is the seasoned individuals like yourself that are so needed in today's world. We need the wisdom that you and your generation share with us. We need the encouragement from you and your generation to help us when we experience what you have already gone through. We need the guidance from you and your generation that will keep us strong as we grow older. This world would not have survived except for wisdom that was handed down from the grandpas and the grandmas of today and years past. Growing old, quote, sucks, unquote, I keep telling my wife. But indeed, God in his wisdom knows it is through this wisdom, wisdom from the seasoned, that helps strengthen each generation, thus making them better able to face the difficulties of today. Thank you, Sarge, for taking my wife under your care the day I got shot. Thank you, Sarge, for the many positive things you did in my career unknowingly and to the hundreds of others like me that have looked up to you through the years. God bless you, my friend. Now, I know Bob is a man of God. He actually is a, a preacher now. I don't know about Don, but I think he is. He was just having a moment. But what a beautiful word of encouragement and truth. Listen, this generation, we, we that get older, we might lack in our ability to understand technology, and we might grow behind in a lot of areas. But we've learned some things, and we've got some potent things to share, some potent things to do with our life. Among the greatest of those is to declare the faithfulness of God, and we do that when we show ourselves faithful with the things that He has given us, the things He has put in our hand. My friend Bob right there was being faithful with his gift of encouragement. Um, listen, we've got to do whatever it takes 
to discover, define, and deploy our deepest vocational aspirations with the ultimate goal of displaying the faithfulness of God. Let me say that again. We've got to do whatever it takes to discover, define, and deploy our deepest vocational aspirations with the ultimate goal of displaying the faithfulness of God. Bob's words of encouragement to Don wouldn't have meant much to me if I didn't know he was an outstanding police officer. Shot in the line of duty, came back strong. I respect him, and I respect what he has to say because I know he was good at what he did. He knew God had blessed him with a passion for police work, certain skills. He was part of the SWAT team. He worked in forensics like me later in his career. He was passionate about his job. Listen, if Bob had been a slacker, if if he had not been faithful to the task God had given him in police work, his words wouldn't have meant nearly as... I probably wouldn't even have read his response. So again... As we move into a new year, we've got to discover, define, and deploy our deepest vocational aspirations with the ultimate goal of displaying the faithfulness of God. I think that many of us uh, know that. We, we know what we could do. We know what we would do. We know what we should do, but we suffer paralysis by analysis. We waste precious time fearing uncertainty. We're, we're looking for that thing we know we're going to be successful at. That's not going to come. Listen, we need to be setting big, audacious goals. If God doesn't come through, we know we're going to fall flat on our face. We've got to set new goals in the new year uh, in the areas that we want to grow in to demonstrate that God's promises and principles are practical to the here and now world. Maybe then we'll gain an audience you know, uh, that will hear the even deeper aspiration of our heart, and that is that none should perish. When we set new goals, we are basically saying, or when we fail to set new goals, we're basically saying, we know it all, we've done it all, we're finished. That's baloney. As we move into a new year, Let's set some audacious goals that take us closer to the dream in our heart, the vocational dream I'm talking about. Let's remember that we're, we're not here to be remembered. That's nice. But we're here to prepare for eternity, to grow in faith. The way we grow in faith is by, quote, doing things that require faith. When we see God bring breakthrough, we grow in faith. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, Will he find faith on the earth? What is your purpose? Why are you still here? To be faithful and to demonstrate the faithfulness of God. I want the people around me, those I love most, to know that God can be trusted. I want my life to declare that in a practical way. You know, this way, I'll close with this. Probably going to send me into overtime. It is, but quick story of a, a practical way I'm, I saw this happen uh, just yesterday. I got a text from a man. Uh, his name is Mike, and he'd never met me. He got my information from someone, one of the pastors at the church, and uh, he said, hey, uh, 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 such and such gave me your number. I've really got a heart to do something with youth in a detention center that I drive by every day. I don't know where to start, and I, I know that you're in prison ministry, and I thought maybe we could, we could talk. 
And and so I called him immediately, and we spent about 45 minutes on the phone. And, uh, man, I could hear his heart. I could hear his fear. I could hear that he had no idea where to start, uh, but he just knew he had a seed of a burden of something he could do. Um, now, this this when I say vocational, things we do with our hands— um, I mean your your job day to day, whatever that may be, but also ministry that we do with our hands uh, for others, meeting the needs of others with love. And so this is kind of in that vein. He felt like he wanted to do something for young people, but you know, I asked him, you know, well, what's your what's your story basically? And you know, he was like, well, I've never been locked up, so I don't know if I can relate. But I said, yeah, but what have you been through? Well, he has been challenged. His father died at an early age, so he didn't have a dad most of his life growing up, and uh, he, you know, had been in trouble with the law, and he had a before Christ story and an after Christ story. But the thing that I really uh, admired him for is he talked about how fearful he was to even send that text to me. <laughs> he did, he saw me preach a couple of times over the past you know six seven eight years. At, at, we've been based out of this church, and he said he admired me from a distance. And he was just you know it took him two or three weeks to get up the nerve to send that text, but he did it. And I think he's off to a roaring start. I mean he was. Yeah, he seemed so inspired by just some of the simple things that I shared with him about what I would do if, if I had this burden and he didn't know where to start. He'd never worked with youth. He'd never been in a detention facility. And But it sounded like his faith had grown. He did something by faith. Here's how you know if it's by faith. You're scared to death, you know? And uh, despite that fear, you know, he suffered a little, maybe a little bit of paralysis by analysis if it took him two or three weeks to send me a text. Um, but he did it. He did it. And maybe it's just something simple like that. In 2011, I shared it with you. You know, uh, my life changed. Our lives change when we decided we're going to lean in the direction of our goal. And it starts with, I think, a Facebook message to my friend Denny. Hey, man, I'd really like to talk to you about how to start a nonprofit but still stay attached to the local church. That's what launched Life on the Verge. So as we move into the new year, new goals, audacious goals that scare you. Reach out. Do what it takes. Take new ground. Be faithful with what God has given you. Man, I covered a lot of territory there. Probably could have been two episodes. I've gone over time. I hope you're inspired. Uh, I'm a little inspired. I don't have it all together. I'm preaching to myself, man, every time I put one of these together, by the way. And so I do it in humility, and I grow, and I hope you grow too. God bless you. I look forward to coming at you the first of the year. I'm looking at a series on confidence and courage. Um, probably continuing some of the stuff I talked about in this podcast. Be blessed, have a happy new year, and do consider life on the verge and in your giving at the end of the year. Pray at the very least uh, that God remove all the hearts of people so we can get this truck in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen and amen. Sometimes fallen angels fly. I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.